Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So, Tom, are you going to get the stuff down the cellar then for the meat tasting? I'll go down the cellar, down the trap door. Oh, okay. Tom's gone down the cellar to sort of see what's happening with all the brewing. Are you all right down there, Tom? Yeah, nothing's fallen. Does the mead look ready? Yeah. Better be, it's been three years. Oh my goodness. I'll pretend I'm in a very swanky mead bar. Oh, are we trying them now? Or? Well, I'll, oh, I'll okay line a couple then. up, because these are two. Oh, okay. Obviously they're very different in colour. Yeah. So these have been sitting down in our cellar for three years oh, now, three and a half God. years, I'd say. A bit scared. Yeah. Now, are you going to do the full honey tasting, holding your nose and closing what, your like eyes? What, like a honey sommelier? Like a honey sommelier, yes. Could try it then. Could try it. Have a smell maybe first. Oh, it smells. You've got to try it. Like nail varnish. Oh, you just got to try it, please. Oh, God, I'm a bit scared. <laughs> God, that does taste bad. Long hot days in the shade of some big old tree. Making daisy chains and watching all the honeybees. Would you like to cleanse your palate? <laughs> I think we'll come back to the other one later, Tom. Okay, that's not a bad idea. So then, Tom, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. And it's very nice to have you here in your own home. Well, it's lovely to be here in my own home. <laughs> and it's also nice to have you fully here instead of sometimes in the background. Yeah, yes, normally getting told off yeah, for making noise. But you do make rather a lot of noise. Now, how should we start this? <laughs> well, I think maybe a history of how we met. Oh, and how okay. long we've been together and all oh. that. Well, I don't think the listeners will want to know all the details. They won't want to know all the details, no, but it's just a rough yeah. outline. We've known so each how other how long to... have we been together, We've Tom? been together for yeah. 25 years. Oh, my God. Yeah. Is it our anniversary? 1996. Oh, gosh, that's a long time. <laughs> I only remember because the football was on. Oh, right, then. Are we going to be celebrating with that other glass of mead? We are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and how have you found... Being married to a beekeeper. Being married to a beekeeper is a constant joy. Mm. There's the honey, obviously. And then there's just the fascinating life of the hive, which I get to experience secondhand. (laughs) Yeah, but Tom, you've also um, experienced a lot of it firsthand because you've been my assistant. I have been your assistant, willing and otherwise. In fact, that was probably the nearest we ever came to splitting up, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, we nearly got a divorce. A dark night. That was a night we had to move a full colony of bees in a wheelbarrow across the allotment Mm -hmm. in pitch darkness. In the freezing cold winter. In the freezing cold winter. And actually, my face turned red. I remember you took a photograph and my face was bright red. Oh. I think it was the pressure of doing that. Yeah. And, yeah, I think we did mention divorce, didn't we? I think you mentioned divorce. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, we got through that, didn't we? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And we got through... 
many other times, didn't we? we when we had to um, burn the bees. I dug that hole. You that dug the hole, didn't hard you? Work, and you burnt the bees. Yeah. Division of labour. Well, I didn't burn them, actually. It was the... Um, the defra man. The defra man. But you did dig the hole, and actually you didn't throw me into it, which was good. No. <laughs> but did you feel like it? I, there was a point when I hit the layer of clay... Yeah. I felt maybe it was best just to jump in myself and, you know, <laughs> cover up the topsoil. <laughs> I banned you from beekeeping in the end, didn't you I? You did ban yeah. me from beekeeping. Now, can you tell us why I did ban you from beekeeping? I have very poor judgment as regards personal safety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I often injure myself through different and fascinating ways. Yes. And... One of which was trying to do beekeeping in gardening gloves. Yeah, yeah. that was bad, wasn't that it? That was bad. And the bees then came through the back of the gloves and stung my hands totally. I think I had 10 stings in one hand and about 18 on the other. Yeah. And it swelled up like a zeppelin. And actually, you did go to hospital, didn't you? I did have to go to hospital because it was later on that week and I did nearly pass out while I was driving near Reading. Yeah, I don't think Reading is that important, but because you couldn't turn the steering wheel because your arm was so. I was falling asleep at the wheel. It was very, very horrible. And then you um, also helped at my beekeeping club at school, and I did. And then you forgot to zip up your trousers, didn't you? I'd spent so long making sure that all the kids were safely in and that they were no way for the bees to get in because this is the day we were taking the honey off Mm -hmm. when the bees are at their most defensive. Yes, and. I made sure all the kids were fine and secure and zipped up and Velcroed and completely forgot to do the same to myself. Mm-hmm. With the result that most of the colony of bees flew up my trouser leg yes, and stung me everywhere from my face. I got bees in my bonnet mm. and I got stung across the face, across the chest and up and up my legs mm-hmm. until the... Uh, the the old gentleman was in danger. Yes, mm. but it didn't get the old gentleman. No, yeah. no, but there was a moment when I was in the toilets of the school and a cleaner came in and several bees flew out of my trousers. <laughs> and I had to say, yeah, I think you might like to move away because I have more bees in my trousers <laughs> and I don't want them to sting you. So, yes, <laughs> that was a, that's probably the last time I did any proper beekeeping yeah you, most of the time now i just do what you say yeah i always say step back in a loud voice don't yes I? you do yeah <laughs> so i banned you from beekeeping pretty much and um but you know that's not ruined our relationship not at all in fact i think it's helped it enormously <laughs> You are very good at brewing. Yes. You do lots of brewing, I don't do you? I do lots of brewing. Can you tell us a bit about how you started brewing? I started brewing because of you. Mm-hmm. You said you should brew some beer. <laughs> <laughs> That'll keep you out of trouble. Yes, I Next remember. thing you know, I've got a cellar full of um, paraphernalia mm-hmm. and I'm doing 30 litres of what started as very poor mm-hmm. and over the course of time became really quite good mm-hmm. beers. If yeah. I may say so myself. 
Yeah, you're very good. And uh, I also thought it'd be a good idea to get you a, a musical saw. You did. But, uh, that's, uh, I remember that. Yes, that was a strange day because oh. you didn't actually tell me what I was getting. Oh. Got a big saw out and scared the yeah. living daylights at me. But luckily with that present, you mm. have an idea, you haven't had any severe accidents. I, I have chafed my groin because playing with musical saw you have sharp serrated teeth mm-hmm. of the saw again very near to the old gentleman and um yeah you've got to be a bit careful i don't think you should call it an old gentleman can't you think of a better name because it makes me think it's sort of it's a bit smelly and sort of stretched and you well, know it is isn't it <laughs> i think we need to put some propolis on it later yes i think we probably do bit, or of yeah. course the old um Put the beads on it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, they do do that, don't they? They do, yeah. apparently so. It's a form of enlargement programme mm. where yeah. you strap a bamboo cane filled with bees onto the... Uh... We won't be following the pathway to the bees for that event. No. So you're no longer a beekeeping. I'm one. not, but I do get all the information from you on a weekly basis. It's a bit like a soap opera. Mm-hmm. You'll come in and you'll tell me about the colonies. So, this oh. week, for instance... How have you got this been? So, Tom, the bees this week are very, very busy. I've noticed they're flying in all colonies, flying, collecting the ivy. At the beginning of last week, I took my final varroa treatment out um, and I put my cork insulation Mm -hmm. in. Everything looked good. There were loads of stores. The whole hive is full of honey. Lots of ivy honey. What does ivy honey look like? In its uh, uncrystallised state, it's a sort of um, dark, sort of brownie green, but very dark honey. Mm. But it quickly crystallises and turns into, you know, what looks like sort of icing in Mm. the comb. So I saw that that had already been happening. But the one thing I was quite shocked about, about the bees in the garden, who seem so busy, so healthy... The olives, yeah... I took the varroa board out and it was absolutely full of varroa. But they've been doing really well, haven't they, that colony? Oh, they've been so healthy. I was so shocked. But obviously the varroa treatment had worked. Yeah. It knocked off the varroa. But I don't think I've ever seen so many varroa on one board. Mm. So it did make me think, hmm, they are quite amazing. I've seen no deformed wing virus. They're very, very busy whenever I'm out there. Yeah. I've been building your buildings out yeah. there. My shed. Your sheds, plural. Yes. And you see them flying and they're thriving. They always look like there's, you know, almost look like they're about to swarm at some point. Yeah, they seem so healthy. So it's a real shame about the varroa, but it's pretty standard. We didn't know where they came from. They were a swarm, so... Who knows whether they ever even had a varroa treatment before. Mm-hmm. So I am going to be given the oxalic acid treatment in the Which winter. Which is a rather harsher mm-hmm. treatment. OK. And I'll do that when they're broodless, probably around Christmas Day. So, Happy um, Christmas. Uh, <laughs> Have some chemicals. <laughs> So, Tom, this mead. This mead. These meads, I think you'll find. These meads. Now, all I remember about this mead is that when we started making it was we, because we had a lot of excess honey. We did. But that honey was sort of scraped off 
an old colony, I think, that had either died or was it just left over after the winter? And we it had was a, left over, yeah. Our friend was doing the Duke of Edinburgh Award. Good job you said award at the end then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tommy, you keep making me laugh. And so we got her doing everything, didn't we? We got her scraping all the old propolis off and, you know, melting wax. And one of them that we, we, we got her taking a lot of the old honey we out. We did, yeah, and, and we so didn't want to waste it. We didn't want to waste it, so you decided to make it into mead. So I how did. did you do it? Well... What is mead? What is mead? Mead is honey and water. Mm-hmm. See, I, I get a lot of my information from a chap called, best name in the world, Randy Mosher. Oh, Randy Now, Randy Mosher is obviously American. Mm-hmm. It's a great name. And he wrote a book called Radical Brewing, and it's all incredibly bizarre beer recipes from across time. Mm -hmm. And in there is a big chapter on mead. Yeah. And that is where I based all my information from. Mm -hmm. So this is a man who makes beer out of chickens and things like that. What do you mean out of chickens? Well, you put chicken. It's called cock ale. Oh. So you you take your cock. Yeah. You smash it, so it's dead, obviously. And yeah. you add it to the beer, yeah, and it makes it taste disgusting. Oh, yeah, but I'm not quite sure. Drink that. People used to drink it. I think it's 15th century. So, I think people used to drink anything. We have this theory, didn't we, that people were drunk all the time. Yeah, and that's how every single major political decision was made. Mm. Elizabeth the first. Yeah, she used to drink five pints a day. She used to drink two pints for breakfast of 10 percent beer. So she was hammered, probably from nine o'clock in the morning. And she took all her great decisions while under the influence. Of cocktail anyway, and of mead. Of cocktail and mead, yeah. yeah. Do so you think she drank mead? I don't, can't think why she wouldn't. She would have drank a form of mead. Mm. Because to make beer, you, you use barley and you malt it, which means you germinate the seed a little bit and then heat it up so it stops germinating Mm -hmm. this turns the starches into sugar Mm -hmm. and then that sugar you can then take off and turn into alcohol because all alcohol is is fermented sugar Mm -hmm. now it doesn't matter where you get that sugar from it could be from barley it could be from grapes it could be from honey Mm -hmm. now all sugar ferments in the same way and it turns to alcohol Mm -hmm. so honey was a way to make beer stronger because if you take a beer and add honey to it, very often you don't really get a honey taste. Mm-hmm. You just make a very strong beer. Do you remember we went to, I won't name it, but a brewery on a brewery tour and we tried some of their honey beer mm-hmm. and instantly you turned to me and said artificial. And it was, I'm sure it was an artificial flavour. And that's how a lot of these honey beers, I think, are made. You make a beer, then add honey flavouring. Because if you add honey directly to a beer, the yeast, which is what turns the sugar into alcohol, Mm -hmm. find it much easier to turn the honey sugars into beer than the maltose from the malt. So they will go for the honey first, ferment it completely out, so it's pretty tasteless. And then you'll get the taste from a malt. So you'll get very strong beer with very little taste of honey. Just tell us about the mead. Mead. Right, let's go back in time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it is the simplest and earliest form of alcohol there was. Mm -hmm. Because do you know what the water content of honey is? Mm, About 15%. About 15-20%. You're right, yes. Mm. Mm. Anyway, so if you get about 15% water content in a beer, which the bees try to dry out 
their honey, don't they? They want yeah. to get rid of all, all the water. So they sort yeah. of fan it and they get rid of all the water. That way it stays as honey. Because mm-hmm. if you then up the water content to 50%, it will start fermenting with its own naturally occurring yeast that's mm-hmm. in the honey. Because there's yeast in honey. Yeah, Zygosaccharomyces. To be precise. I think in that one that you made, though, there was a lot of mould in that as well. Well, this is the point I'm coming to. Because once you add a little bit of water to honey, it will turn to mead. Mm -hmm. Now, whether that mead is tasty or not depends on a number of factors. Mm -hmm. Most important of which, same with any brewing, making sure that oxygen doesn't get into the fermentation process. If oxygen gets into the fermentation process, other bacteria will develop and the yeast will... Well, it just won't taste proper. So did you have a hole in that? Um... I may have had a hole in that one. I know what happened with that one. You had a hole in it, didn't you? No. Do you remember we had an issue with the drains coming oh, into our God. cellar? Well, no, 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 it's not that bad. The drains are coming into <laughs> our cellar. Water was coming down into our cellar. Yeah. So I put a dehumidifier down the cellar. Yeah. And when you're fermenting anything you need what's called an airlock so it's sort of an s shape oh, with water and it bubbles out. it drive the airlock out oh it would drive the water out of the airlock oxygen could then get in oh. and spoil fermentation with the result that yeah there have been other bacteria than the yeast in that i mean it's still bacteria what sort of bacteria do you think we're gonna die tonight no no, because the alcohol content that would have already been present from the yeast is enough to kill off pretty much anything. Oh, well, you've drunk it now as well. I've drunk it so now we'll as well, so it's, we might as well go together. That's this the one, one we tried earlier. That's the one we tried earlier, the lighter flavour one, the lighter-looking one. This one is a darker-looking one, as you can tell. Mm-hmm. This is your one. It said on the side, Esters. Oh, so this is the one I remember. This is I remember you made. now. You do remember yeah. now, yeah. I think I added some spices to you it. You did add some spice. You added some ginger and clover from memory. Yeah, exactly. It's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> it's disgusting, but actually, it's not as dis- now, not nearly as disgusting. No, not nearly as disgusting. That's because it, it's been in a sealed container. Well, actually, it's not bad. Right, I've still got that down there. I didn't want to bottle all that. Actually, that tastes like. You know, you're saying nice. it because it's yours, aren't you? No, I think my I mead. It. Your mead. Okay. Nice. Smells nice. It is. It's. It's delicate. Yeah. And it's quite light. It's not a... Oh, Tom. Right, that's your one. We've still got some of that left downstairs. Mm. I didn't... Uh, that first one, one we tasted, went straight down the toilet. Well, hopefully it's cleaned it out. It it's probably has. On it. This mead, it's I think, right, maybe that? in another ten years. That's what I'm thinking. That's yeah. why I've left it down there. Because it's quite light at the moment. Now, it's already been down there three and a half years. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think it's going to get much better. <laughs> but that's your mead. Oh, well, we now, see. Now, do you want a bit more of a history shall of I, Shall I just tell you how to make mead? Yes, please. Yeah. Just, you know, get some honey and yeah. put a few spices yeah. in. Pull it down the cellar. No water. With a bit of water. Yeah. Mix it up yeah. in a pot with a lid and an air uh, an airlock. And don't dry the airlock out. Yeah, and that's how you make it. Yeah. And it's easy as anything. I think you should ask me. The thing Tom. is, what you need to do... Mm-hmm. You have to, first of all, get rid of the chemicals that are put in by the water company into the tap water. 
So you have to get rid of, of the chloramines, and a chlorine that is put into tap water, so that's very important. Oh, wow, that sounds a bit boring. Shall we move on? OK, and then you add... <laughs> do you think... Do you think... Uh, so... Sorry, Tom, I've been a bit mean to you then. That's all right. Because you are a wizard. Of, of I am, these, I am. You know, and your dad was a chemistry teacher, and I think that you... He definitely taught you something, didn't he? Mm. Not much. <laughs> you could teach him something. Oh, no, that was a bit rude. Sorry about that. So... You, you shouldn't boil it. A lot of people have been boiling it for centuries, which is the way to... Ruin the honey. Ruin the honey. Yeah, because precisely. if you boil honey, you ruin the flavour straight mm-hmm. away. And also, you, you ruin all the lovely properties in it. Exactly, exactly that. So I didn't boil any of this. I made sure the water was boiled and then cooled mm-hmm. and then added it to the honey because mm-hmm. why, why would you want to boil it? Because no. well, you smell it when it comes off, and that's all the subtle flavour bits yeah. gone, really. Well, actually, Tom, I think I could open a meadery. I think you could open a meadery. Now... Would you like to come and work for me? Yes. Good. Right. Uh, <laughs> shall I go and get the main mead? Main mead? The main mead. You see, these are the two I thought didn't pass muster. Oh! So is it mead. another one I made? No, this is one I made. Oh. Yeah. I might be a couple of minutes. Oh, right, OK. So, if you'd like to give them the history of mead... All I know about mead is that it was made a long time ago by the Romans. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. How strong do you think this mead is? Because I've had about two sips. I'm feeling a bit... Oh, what's this? Now, this is the main mead. As you can see, it's a lot darker. It does look like a dark... Oh, a dark Tom. honey, doesn't it? It looks like a... I'd say it looks like um, a buckwheat A buckwheat honey. honey. And actually, yeah. it smells a bit like buckwheat It does it? smell a bit like a buckwheat honey, doesn't it? Is this honey from our bees? Yes. Yeah, Are you is... sure, Tom? I'm absolutely positive. It's very professional. Well... Thank you for your confidence. <laughs> right then. What? It's very sweet. It's very sweet. Why is it so sweet then? I know it's made of honey, but I, I thought the sugar had, like would have been. I would have thought so. I was really surprised by this. I was really surprised when I tasted it. So. This think, hold it. Let me have another taste of it. Yeah, I want to have a taste. It smells of honey. Yeah. And it's very, very sweet. Very sweet. And it looks professional. Yeah. It's quite strong. What it is quite strong. What? How strong is it? What, how you take the measurements of it is you rather professionally use what's called a refractometer. Yeah. Which is almost like a telescope mm-hmm. that... 
it shows you the sugar content of the original alcohol or a thing which I completely forgot. Oh, sorry, mine's gone blank. How do you tell how So what you do is you find out how much sugar is in it before you start fermenting it. Mm -hmm. And then when you finished, you find how much sugar is left in it. Oh. And the difference between the drop in sugar levels is the amount that has turned to alcohol. Now... So why is this so sweet, then? Hydrometer is the word I'm looking for. Why is it so sweet? I can think of two reasons. One is the yeast didn't fully ferment it. Okay. In which case, it won't be as strong. Now... What you're supposed to do mm-hmm. is take detailed records of exactly how strong it was when it started and then compare it to how strong it is at the end. Mm, mm. I, I didn't do that. I'm feeling a bit so tipsy already. There was, yeah, it's it could be anywhere between about sort of 8 and 10 or 12 percent. But it wouldn't be 100 percent. If it was 100 percent, you'd be lying down right now. How strong do you think this is? Now, because it's so sweet, I'd say it's probably on the lower side, so an 8%. But I mm. added some raisins to this. Oh! One. That might be where the sweetness right, yeah, is coming maybe from. maybe it's Christmassy. Now, it is very Christmassy, oh. isn't it? You know what? It's not my cup of tea. No. But... I do quite like it, and I'm very pleased for you, Tom. Thank you. So, if we left this down the cellar for another ten years, what do you think it would be like? I think now the yeast would have stopped working, yeah. so it would mature. But I think having taken it out now and put it into a barrel, I think that would have risked oxygen getting in, and it would turn to that. So, who's going to drink this? Me. Oh, good luck with that, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll put some outside the bee hive and see whether they, like, they might like it, might they, on Christmas Day? Yeah, see a little Christmas like. gift. Yeah, we could make we could a make little... little tiny shot glasses for the bees. <laughs> <laughs> Get them drunk before we put, them, mm. put a load of uh, oxacillic acid in it. So, Tom. Yeah. One question I have got to ask you. Yeah. What is the history of mead? What is the history of mead? That's a very good question. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> As I, I did think, I think I mentioned earlier, uh, it's a very simple alcohol to make. You just add water to honey, leave it. It will make its own mead. And it's, a, you know, or the simplest one would probably be wine. You just smash grapes, leave it, you get wine pretty foul tasting wine but wine nevertheless similar with honey put water in leave it you get alcohol Mm -hmm. to get beer it's a bit more of a process of malting and all that but back in sumerian times sumerian sumerian what i've never heard of the sumerians it's a mesopotamian area of sumerian culture Uh, about 1800 bc Mm -hmm. there's a famous poem called the hymn to ninkasi and ninkasi was a goddess of brewing and beer oh because at the time Beer and brewing was almost exclusively done by women. Of course, yeah. Because that was their role. Mm-hmm. And so Ninkasi was a female goddess. And this hymn to Ninkasi isn't really a religious hymn. It's more of a, a recipe. It's a recipe for beer. Mm-hmm. So the hymn to Ninkasi is how to make uh, a beer with added honey and grapes. Oh. So what they do is they make everything together. So it'll be a beer with mead and wine combined mm. and they found in various sort of old jars and pots you can scrape off the inside to find what was in them 
these are in like funeral sites so where graveyards graves were there'd be a offering for the afterlife and it would be booze mm. and I scraped off the um, residue yeah. and I found it was a mixture of beer honey and wine so it's obviously an important thing you'd have these three things together to make a sort of a a bit like a shandy not a shandy a, a snake bite Wow. The equivalent of a snake bite. Very nice. Very nice. And this was not only there, but also in Denmark, they found graves with a similar thing, but obviously they didn't have grapes in Denmark, so they used cranberries. Mm-hmm. So it would have been honey, beer, and cranberry juice. A bit like a sea breeze or something like that. Very good. Maybe we could make a cocktail with honey, beer, and cranberry juice. Oh. No, but you could also make a, what's called a braggot, and that's a sort of a more of a British thing. That was beer with honey added to give it extra strength. The braggot name, where's that from? Braggot, right? it's Welsh. Oh, braggot. But it's also called something very similar in Gaelic, Irish. I won't try to pronounce it. Okay. It just makes very strong beer without so much of a honey taste. This has got quite a honey taste. It's got a it? very strong honey taste. Very honey-like. Well, it is. I mean, (laughs) were someone to say to you, what is that? You'd say, it's honey booze. I'd say, it tastes like a lot of honey in a glass with some lemonade. And a shot of vodka. Yeah. Cheap vodka. (laughs) That's actually what it tastes like. Yeah. It's lemonade and honey and vodka. Little convenience store, small bottle vodka. Yeah, anyway. So Esther... We're married, aren't we? Yes, we, we are, are married. married. And um, our, our sort of couple goals yeah. are sort of Mr and Mrs Twit, aren't they? Really? They are, yes. Yeah, so you're Mr Twit. I know, you're Mrs Twit. That's right. And we sort of, that's kind of why I made you drink that absolutely foul-tasting stuff, because I thought it might be funny. Well, I'm going to get you back for that. Right. But you, you wait. On the subject of weddings. You wait, Mr Twit. On the subject of weddings, do you, do you know why a honeymoon's called a honeymoon? Yes, I do, actually, Tom. Go on. Well, a honeymoon's called a honeymoon because it's 28 days that you go with mm. cycle of the moon. One lunar month. Yeah, and you drink mead and get very drunk and have lots of sex with your husband and hopefully at the end of it, if you're a lady, you're pregnant. Exactly that. Yeah. So it's because that was a traditional process by which you got a lady pregnant was to get her absolutely seeming drunk on mm. vodka... And honey with a bit of, uh, not a vodka and honey, but, uh, but a, a mead. Yeah. Because it would have been the most convenient way to get someone very drunk very quickly. Exactly. And do you think it was also, you get honey poured all over you? Do you think honey has aphrodisiac qualities? Oh, yes, definitely. Because I can imagine at the honey show that you went to, because of course I didn't go. Mm-hmm. You I can imagine it was it was basically a swingers party, wasn't it? <laughs> Where can people find me? Today. I think there's loads more because of the sort of um, revolution in beer brewing over the last 10, 15 years. There's a lot more microbreweries. I think there are a lot more micro-meaderies. Is that right? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Because you, you do find it. I mean, I remember 
down in Cornwall, there's a few mead makers. There's quite a few mead makers. It's a big thing in the West Country, isn't it, mm. mead? Yeah. But I remember trying it and not being that impressed with the sort of mainstream things. But Gosnells, is it Gosnells down in Bermondsey? Oh, right, yeah. Because um, Bermondsey market has experienced this big change and I think Gosnell was used to sell their stuff down there and I, I remember quite liking it. Yeah, I had it. It was carbonated and mm. it was nice. It was carbonated. Yeah. yeah, yeah, similar to this one here. Yeah, well, I think you should set up your own meadery, Tom. I think you'd be very successful. You know what? If it takes three and a half years, an uh, absolute load of work to make one absolutely appalling mead, one average mead and one mead that is all right, I don't think I'll bother. I know, but you did it for me, didn't I did you, it for Tom? you. Yeah, yeah, you are ever so nice. Thank you. You're the real honey man. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm drunk. <laughs> now call you up whenever I'm feeling down. Queen Bees is written and created by Esther Coles and Jane Horrocks. It is produced by Claire Broughton, Andy Goddard and John Wakefield and partly recorded at The Hives on my allotment near Crouch End in London. Our title music is Sweet Nothing by Amy May Ellis and Will Cookson. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Queen Bees Pod for pictures and videos from The Hive. Queen Bees is a hat-trick podcast. It feels so good just to have you around Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.